that might just get you. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, we are thankful for our mothers and and for what they mean to us. I had the privilege of being able to talk to my mama uh, this morning on the way here. And uh, what a joy it is just to be able to know that I can do that. I also realize that there will come a day when that will not be possible, when she will make it to heaven. And so that I realize that there are some here today who did not have that privilege today and know that uh, the Lord is faithful to walk with us even during days like this as well. But aren't we grateful for mothers who love Jesus and taught us to love Jesus? Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing uh, the series from the Gospel of Mark, and we're looking at presenting the King. And if you are a guest with us today, we have been going through the Gospel of Mark in a series called King Jesus. And as we've seen in this Gospel, our King Jesus is worthy of all praise. He calls us to live for Him and to love Him because of who He is and what He has done. And today, as we come to this portion of Scripture in in Mark chapter 6, we come to a familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I I was uh, at the well on Wednesday night, and I asked the folks, I told the folks, I said, you know, I'm I'm really not preaching a Mother's Day message per se, but I'm preaching on the feeding of the 5,000. I don't really know how to make that fit into Mother's Day, and Miss Beverly said, well, that's what we do. <laughs> we feed the 5,000. <laughs> that, that's perfect. That's exactly right. And that may be the case, but there's also an interesting piece of information about this story. Besides the crucifixion and the resurrection, the only, uh, it is the only other story that is in all four Gospels. Besides the crucifixion and resurrection, this is the only story that is in all four of the Gospels. And so, and as I was thinking about that, And studying and praying this week, it seems to me that if I wanted to present the king and introduce him to someone, this story really could give us a good summary of who King Jesus is. Now, as we've been saying for quite a few months now that we want to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus, we can point to Jesus through this story to be introduced to him. But as someone reminded me also this week that uh, sometimes even believers need to be pointed to Jesus. Amen? And so today, let's be introduced to King Jesus, even if we're introduced to him again. Let's look at this passage through a fresh lens, and may we be open to the Holy Spirit's work in presenting the King to us. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. Next week, just so you know, those of you who read ahead, we're going to jump ahead to chapter 7. But today we're going to just read these verses, verses 30 through 44, chapter 6. And in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you would stand, if you're able today, while I read this for us. The Bible says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have the time to eat. And so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. And the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to them. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. 
And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And, but he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And so then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And so they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And even in this, Father, in these few verses, we're reminded of who Jesus is. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning, that, Lord, we would be presented the king. Lord, that we would be introduced afresh and anew to who King Jesus is. And, Lord, that you would soften and tenderize our hearts to be ready to receive the word that is proclaimed through your word and by the power of your spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We pray that if there are those here today that don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives, that, Lord, you would use something that's said or done here to draw them to yourself, that they'll make that decision of commitment to you. But also, Father, for those of us who know you as Lord and Savior, may you use this time this morning to remind us of who you are, King Jesus. And Lord, may it renew our faith. May it reinvigorate our walk with you. May it help us, Lord, to see you in fresh new eyes and have a fresh new spirit about us and that we are excited about who you are and what you've done, and what you're doing. So, Lord, we pray that you would have your way all over this building, and we pray not only for those that are in this worship center, but those who are in Bible study, Sunday school groups all over our campus. And we pray for the next service as well, Father, that you would just begin to work in people's hearts and lives, moving in and out of our rooms and in the halls and in this place. Lord, drawing us to yourself for your glory. And Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as we look at their message today, you see the outline is in the bulletin for you this morning. And we're seeing presenting King Jesus. And the first thing that we see here is that he is the model. He is the model. So even though this is not a... Mother's Day message per se, the best I could do for you is I can make the outline spell moms, okay? So I got that for you this morning anyway. But the first thing that we see here is that he is the model. And so let me, let me introduce to you my king. Let me introduce you through the word of God this morning 
the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, King Jesus. Let me introduce to you him who is worthy of all of our praise and all of our glory and all of our honor. Amen. Let me introduce you to our King, Jesus Christ. He, he was the perfect model. He was the perfect example of a perfect life. And since that is the case, we would want to look at his life to see the characteristics that, that he possessed, and then we want to follow him as our model, since he is the perfect model of a perfect life. And since he is that, we want to see in him something in our passage of Scripture today in that we see the quality of Jesus, King Jesus, this quality of compassion, We see this quality of him for the people here in just a moment of having compassion for people. Now, you know what compassion is, right? Amen? Y'all know what compassion is? Well, let me sort of just tell you a story about what compassion is not. And and, uh, this is, and I had to somehow figure a way to fit this in today because this is my all-time favorite Mother's Day story. We were at Midway uh, several years back, and I was standing at the door welcoming people as they were coming into the church. And one of the young mothers in our church, she had two children at the time, if not three, so she'd been married for a while. She came into the church, and I said, well, Michelle, happy Mother's Day. And by the way, I got permission to share this with you uh, this morning before, before I go further. I said, Michelle, happy Mother's Day to you. And she said, well, thank you. I said, well, where's Gary? Gary's her husband. She said, he's on the roof. I said, he's on the roof. She said, I said, what in the world is Gary doing on the roof? She said, well, let me tell you why he's on the roof. I said, okay. She said, this morning, being Mother's Day, um, her children were young, so she was anticipating her husband to have a card or a gift there. So she got up in anticipation of that, and she went to the kitchen, and she saw no card. She saw no gift. So she went, and she... Went to the bathroom, thought maybe he put something in there, nothing there. Went to the den, thought maybe something's there, nothing there. So then Gary gets up, makes his way to the kitchen, and, and uh, Michelle says, Gary, where's my card and, or my gift or something? And he said, you're not my mother. <laughs> she said, okay. So she just stepped back a little bit, and a little bit later, as the things were a little quiet around the house that morning, as you can imagine, he decided he needed to do a little something that needed to be done anyway. So he went outside, put the ladder up against the roof. He had a skylight that needed to be prepared over the bathroom. And so he climbed up on the roof and he began to repair the skylight. And Michelle hears him up the roof and she goes out the door, outside to the ladder and pushes the ladder over. (laughs) She comes back in to get ready for church. So she goes into the bathroom to get her makeup on or what have you. And, and uh, Gary is on the skylight saying, Michelle, come put my ladder back. Michelle, come put my ladder back. She looked up in there. She said, call your mama. <laughs> and, and she left him on the roof and came to church where I met her and said, where's Gary? And she said, on the roof. Great, true story, true story. 
But even what happened, and as, as I thought about that, got a huge laugh at it. Poor Gary. I felt sorry for Michelle, and I felt sorry for Gary, too. So I found a scripture verse for Gary and gave it to him the next Sunday. And I said, Gary, you might need this for future reference. In Proverbs 21.9, it says, It's better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. <laughs> True story. There was no compassion there between those two at that moment, but I assure you, since then, things have been rectified. (laughs) Fortunately, friends, our king has compassion, amen? And we see his compassion here in verses 30 through 34. Let's just look at this passage again. Here the apostles gathered to Jesus, told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. If you remember, before we got to John the Baptist and Herod's beheading of him, before then, Jesus had sent out the 12. And here these 12 are coming back and they're telling him all these things. And he said to them, Jesus said to the the apostles, the disciples, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him, and they ran their own foot from all the cities, and they arrived before them and came together to him. So the crowd now is is really pressing in, wanting to be with Jesus, and wanting to be with the disciples, and wanting things to be done for them. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. We see here in this passage that Jesus cares for the disciples and for these apostles as he was concerned about their need for rest after their journey. And he calls them to come alongside for a while to to a deserted place to try to, to get away from the crowds and to find the rest that they needed. But of course, the crowds ran ahead of them and found them. And then as the crowds were coming, we also see that Jesus has compassion here for the multitude. He cares for the multitude, and he has, the Bible says, he is moved with compassion, meaning he has a deep compassion for them. The word there for compassion means that he has pity on them. It means that he, this compassion is a deeply felt from the depths of his, in his stomach. He is the deeply felt compassion. The, 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 it means to have one's heart go out to someone. And that's what that word means. And that is exactly what is taking place here with this compassion that Jesus has for the multitude. And we see that that's what Jesus had for the multitude as it tells us here, not only that, that he was moved with compassion, but that they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Now, what does that mean? Jesus saw them and saw them as sheep not having a shepherd. Now, we can go back to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 34, where God sends a prophecy through the prophet Ezekiel to the king and the the political and religious leaders of that day of Israel as God's people in that day were being led astray by those who were their leaders. And the people needed some spiritual guidance and protection and they needed someone who would lead them back 
to the Lord. And we find in Ezekiel chapter 34, 4 through 6, God speaking through the prophet about what they were facing and about uh, the sheep that, that seemed to have no shepherd. He says, the weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back that which was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. My friends, listen. God had compassion on his sheep, the children of Israel, because they were like a shepherd. No one was searching. No one was there to help them, and they needed help. And now we see that Jesus is moved with compassion for these people who are like sheep who have no shepherd. And this is exactly what Jesus sees in them, in that he has compassion for these people. He has compassion for the multitude, and he loves them. He begins to teach them as he recognizes their need of guidance and leadership to God. And so he loves the multitude unconditionally and he has compassion for them and he gives them what they need. Friends, let me tell you that this is King Jesus who has compassion and unconditional love for the multitude. He is the perfect model of a perfect life who is full of compassion and he loves unconditionally. As you think about that story and the crowds who were coming, what did they do to deserve the love of Jesus? Absolutely nothing. They didn't do anything to deserve the love of Jesus, but he loved them already. Even though this multitude wouldn't let uh, the disciples rest, even though they were pressing into them, even though the timing was definitely inconvenient, even though their motives for coming to Jesus were, were not perfect, and even though Jesus and the disciples were likely exhausted, King Jesus is still compassionate. He is loving the people, providing what the people need to be brought back to the Father. And friends, listen, this is who King Jesus is. Amen? Y'all with me? This is who King Jesus is. He still has compassion on us, seeing our greatest need, bringing us to the Father. And we have done nothing. Listen, we have done nothing to deserve his love for us, but rather we have done everything to deserve his wrath, but he loves us, and he has compassion for us, and this is his quality. Presenting King Jesus, friends, you need to know about King Jesus is that he loves you. He loves you unconditionally. No matter where you are, no matter what you have done, He has compassion on you, sees what you need, and loves you unconditionally. Tim Keller has said, to know that the Lord of the universe loves you is the strongest foundation that any human being 
can have. Well, how do I know that? How do I know that this Jesus that you're introducing me to, this Jesus that you're presenting me to today, how do I know that he loves us? Well, he told us in John 15, 9, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. But also, not only did he tell us, but friends, he also showed us. It tells us in John 15, 13, that Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus has proved his love for us on the cross of Calvary. Amen? The the proof there is that he went to the cross where we did not deserve his love for us to go to the cross. We deserved his wrath, but he went to the cross on our behalf. Oh, friends, we must remember his love. We must remember his compassion because this is our king. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, we are reminded as Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is warning for the church at Ephesus to to try to get a handle, which we can never get a handle on, the love of God, to know how wide his love is for us, to know how long his love is for us, to know how deep his love is for us, and know how high his love is for us. But friends, we may not be able to comprehend it, but we can claim it because he has said it and he has proved it. Amen? He is the king who is the model, who loves us unconditionally. He has compassion for us, and he is the perfect model of a perfect life who loves unconditionally. You say, well, there's nobody who loves me. And I would say, oh, friend, you need to know about King Jesus because he does love you. He knew you before you were born. He has known you your whole life. He has known what you have done, and yet he loves you anyway. And he has loved me, and he has loved us, and he is compassionate. Moved with compassion, seeing us as sheep without a shepherd. Do you know this, Jesus? What a savior. What a king. He has loved us. Now we must love him and also love others unconditionally. Just as he's loved us unconditionally, we must also love other people unconditionally. Amen? Come on now, amen? Amen. If If he loved somebody like me, then I need to love other people just like he's loved me. Amen. He is the model I want to present to you King Jesus. He is the model, but also he is the overcomer. Look in verses 35 through 41 here with me, if you will. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and, the, uh, the, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. 
And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. And he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. The disciples, what's happening here in this part of the story is that the disciples are telling Jesus, Jesus, we have a problem here. It's getting later and later, and these people are going to need something to eat. And we're out here in the middle of nowhere, and we don't have anything. And even if we did, we don't have enough money to buy anything. And if we did, it would cost about eight months of wages. A denarii was one day's worth of wages. So it would cost us about eight months of wages to feed this many people. So the disciples see the issue, and they see the problem. But let me introduce you to King Jesus, who is the overcomer. Amen? He is the overcomer. You see, the disciples see a problem, but Jesus sees the potential. He is the potential. The disciples see a lack, but he sees abundance, and Jesus is the abundance. They see the impossibility, but Jesus sees the avenue by which God's glory will be revealed, and he is the avenue by which God's glory is to be revealed. You see, friends, you need to know this about Jesus. He is the overcomer. He is bigger. Listen, he is bigger than any problem you have. He is greater than the burdens of life, and he can take our problems. He can take our dilemmas. He can take our burdens. He can take our issues. He can take our impossibilities and he can and will overcome them and bring glory to God through them. He's the overcomer. Now let's just look at what he did here. They find out that they don't have any food, but then he tells them to go and find out what they do have. They find that they have five loaves and two fish. And so he makes them to sit down, tell them to sit down. Now, the word there for sitting down is reclining. In that day, they didn't have tables and chairs like we did. They, have, they had a table that was close to the ground, and they would recline at that table. So he was having them to recline as if they're about to partake of a meal. And it tells us in the scripture here that it and sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And some commentators think that, that, that it's possible that they were sitting like in a, in a semicircles, that they had a, a lot of different semicircles of about 50 people or 100 people in those semicircles so that the disciple could take and bring the food into the semicircle and, and, and dole it out that way to all the people. Either way. What we find here is that Jesus took the lunch, and we know from the account of John that this is a little boy's lunch, a lad's lunch, and he comes with these five loaves and these two fishes, and it tells us here that Jesus blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples to distribute. And it's interesting, as we look at that passage, that the word for broke, where Jesus broke the bread and broke broke the, the meal is instantaneous. The, word t- the verb tense is that it happened immediately. So he, it, he did it this one time. He broke it. But then as the word for he gave it is the verb tense is that he gave them to his disciples. It is a continuous act. So he breaks it and then he continually gives out the bread and the fish. So he broke it and he kept on giving it out. Now, can you just picture 
If you're one of the disciples who's standing close to Jesus, he has the five loaves and the two fish. He breaks the bread and the fish, and he begins to give it out. How does he do that? I don't know. (laughs) But what happens is, is that the miracle of multiplying was taking place in his hands. The miracle is taking place in his hands. Jesus is the overcomer. Friends, listen. Whatever your need, whatever your issue, whatever your burden, put it in the hands of King Jesus because that is where the miracle happens. Amen? Put it in the hands of King Jesus because that is where the miracle happens. Listen, nothing is outside the realm of possibility with Jesus. Did you catch that? Let me say it again. I'll even let you write it down, all right? Nothing is outside the realm of possibility with Jesus. Nothing is outside the realm of possibility with Jesus. Nothing. Jesus is the king. He is the overcomer. How is that possible? How is it possible that Jesus is able to work a miracle with his hand? How is that possible? Because King Jesus, who is our model, who is a model of unconditional love and compassion, well, he is God. Amen? He is God. And notice Jesus, notice here as we look at this story, Jesus could have sent the people away. It certainly would have been understandable and still would have been compassionate to have sent them away at this point, knowing that it's getting late and they needed to have something to eat. That would have been compassion as well. But instead what he does is that he performs the miracle. Why does he do that? Well, friends, here, the focus was not on the food, but on the one who provided the food in this deserted place. He is showing them that he is the overcomer who is able to perform the miraculous meeting their needs. And friends, the Jesus of the scriptures who fed the 5,000 is the same Jesus today who is the overcomer, who is able to perform the miraculous and meet our needs as well. Just as in the Old Testament, God provided manna in the wilderness, Jesus here is providing this bread in this deserted place for this purpose, to know that he is able and that he is who we need and that we depend on on him. We depend on Jesus. And as we depend on Jesus, we know that he is able to meet our needs. I don't know about you friends, but I need Jesus. Amen. I need Jesus to help me in everything. And the moment that I think, well, here's something that I can do by myself. If I try to do that, I will fail or it will not last. I must depend on Jesus. Look at what we see also in Deuteronomy concerning the provision of the manna, of that heavenly bread back in the wilderness uh, in that day. In Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, it tells us here, so he humbled you, that God humbled you, allowed, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he may make you know 
that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. God provided the manna for them to let them know that they are to be dependent upon the Lord. He is the overcomer and he is God and we can depend on him to provide for us, providing the miracle in which we need, providing for your greatest need and providing the answer to your burden because he can do the impossible. Jesus can do the impossible like rising bodily from the dead on the third day. He can do that and he did that. He overcame sin. He overcame death. He is the overcomer. He is our king. Friends, I want to present to you King Jesus, who is the model, the perfect model of a perfect life, who has the characteristic of loving unconditionally and having compassion for us, but who also is able to do the impossible. He is the overcomer and rose bodily from the grave. Amen? He is the overcomer. Then thirdly, he is the Messiah. In verses 42 and 43, we see this about him, this King Jesus. So they all ate and they were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. This was... This was a huge miracle that took place here. Five loaves, two fish, over 5,000 people fed. Of course, the Bible says that those were were 5,000 men. Uh, What most people believe is that it was probably more like 15,000 people when you add women and children. But it tells us here that from those five loaves and those two fish, it tells us in this verse that they all ate and they were filled. The word there for filled means that they were satisfied. The word fulfilled is the same word that was used of fattening animals. So he provided for them in abundance. They were completely filled. They were completely satisfied. The miracle here was more than just meeting their physical needs. He is letting them know that he is the answer to their spiritual needs, that he is the answer to their eternal needs. Friends, it's not about the bread that took place here, but rather it's about him being the bread of life who truly satisfies. I want to introduce you to this King Jesus. If you don't know him, and if you do know him, friends, I want to remind you that he is the perfect model who is full of compassion and loves us unconditionally, and he is the overcomer where there's nothing impossible for him, but also he is the Messiah who completely satisfies all of our longings. He is the king. In Psalm 107.9, it tells us, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Can I get a witness there? Does God not do that for us? Amen. Also in John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He satisfies our greatest longings. Friends, oh, how I want you to know him. Let me just present him to you. He is King Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one who was to come, who came and who is coming again. He's the satisfaction of the law. He's the satisfaction of the demands of God's justice by taking our penalty on the cross of Calvary. He's the satisfaction of the promised one who is to come. He's the satisfaction of the shepherd that was promised back in Ezekiel. We talked about just a little while ago. 
In Ezekiel 34, verses 11 and 12, it tells us that the Lord God said, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he's among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and a dark day. And then in Isaiah 40, verses 10 and 11, we also find here too that there's a prophecy and the fulfillment that need to be taking place of a shepherd who is to come. In those verses, behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And so friends, we see that he's the satisfaction because he is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise as the Messiah. John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Amen? Well, I tell you what, he is the Messiah. Let me introduce you to this King Jesus, who is the Messiah, who is the promised one, who is the Savior, who is our satisfaction, who satisfies all of our longings. He's the one because he came, who came because he loved us unconditionally, proving it on the cross, giving us the perfect model of love and compassion for us, who is also the overcomer, who overcame death and overcame the grave, performing the miraculous, rising bodily from the grave, taking the impossibility and working the miracle, bringing glory to God and providing us with our salvation, and who is also our Messiah, the promised one who satisfies our every longing as we receive him as the Lord and Savior. Do you know him? Do you know this king? Because he is King Jesus. Amen. He is who we are longing for and who we need. But also not only is he our model, our overcomer and Messiah, but he is also the sender. The sender, verse 37, real quick, we look back here, we go back just a little bit. And when they found out that they were having trouble, that they didn't have enough food to feed the people, the disciples come to Jesus telling him the issue. And Jesus says something very peculiar to them. He answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Now, why did he say that? You see, the emphasis in the sentence structure here is on the word you. You give them something to eat. In this miracle that Jesus is about to perform and that Jesus performs with the feeding of the 5,000 with the bread and the fish, breaking it and giving it out, distributing it. He allows the disciples, look, he allows the disciples to be part of the process to feed the multitudes, giving them what they need. Jesus gives the disciples the bread and they distribute it. Friends, listen, that is a picture of what we must be doing. It's a picture of what we get to do. Can you imagine being one of the disciples in that day when the feeding of 5,000 is taking place and they only see the five fish, uh, the five loaves and the two fish and Jesus is miraculous, just constantly coming out of his hands and they get to take it and go over and distribute it to the hungry people and take it and go over and distribute it to the hungry people and keep doing that over and over again. Can you imagine being one of the disciples that got to be a part of that process? Friends, let me tell you something. We get to be a part of the process as well. Here's the bread being distributed, and just as the disciples, we are sent out with the bread of life to hungry people. We are to present the king to other people. 
as we are giving the bread of life to them. God has given us what we need. We must go out and be his instruments. Moms, it's Mother's Day. Let me just challenge you, moms. We're to present the king to other people. Moms, present the king to your children. Present the king to your children. If you've got grandchildren, present the king to your grandchildren. I love the little story of a program. You've seen, like this morning, where we had the little children up here singing. You've seen where we've, uh, in your church, I'm sure, in our church here, as well as churches I've been a part of in the past, where there have been children's programs and they had to recite a scripture or something. And a lot of times, when the microphone is given to a child, they'll freeze up. I love the story of a little girl who was supposed to recite a scripture that she had memorized. And sure enough, when she got that, that microphone, she froze up. She got stage fright. And so like every good mom who's waiting for their daughter that they've been working with for quite a few, time, for quite a few times and probably quite a few days to be able to, when it's her turn, to speak out, to give her, her scripture verse, there's mom sitting there on the front row and she's mouthing out what she wants to say. And so the, the verse is, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And the daughter is just standing there with the microphone. And she's looking around, looking around. She's not saying anything. And then she sees her mother and her mother says, I am the light of the world. And the little girl says, my mother is the light of the world. <laughs> Listen, moms, you may not be the light of the world, but you reflect the light of the world to those children. Amen. And so make sure that we're reflecting the light, moms, to, the, to our children, presenting the king to others. Dads, present the king to your family. Be men of God. Amen? Be men of God who will present Jesus to your family and live that out in front of your families. Friends, present the king to those who are around you. Remind them of who he is. Tell them how good he is. We have a good God. We have a great God. We have a wonderful Savior, wonderful Lord, who is our model, who is the overcomer, who is the Messiah, and who is sending us out to be a part of that. Present Jesus, present the King to those around us. Pass out the bread of life to hungry souls. But many will say, some will say, well, how can I, how, how can God use someone like me? Who, who am I that God would want me to share with other people what Jesus has done for me? Who am I? I'm not much. I've not had education. I haven't studied the scriptures like other people. I'm not a teacher. Who am I? Or they'll say, well, you know, I, I would love to do that, but I've got quite a past. How could he ever use somebody like me? Or say, I want to, but I'm just a broken person. And friends, I say to you, if that's your thinking, look what Jesus did here. He took the five loaves and the two fish, this small little lunch that the lad brought to Jesus, and he used it and multiplied it. What he did was that he took what was broken in his hands and he did something miraculous with it and the multitudes were fed. So no matter, no matter who you are, as you know Jesus Christ as Lord and your Savior, friends, he can take you just as you are and use you to help feed the hungry souls if you'll just bring what you have to him. Amen? Bring what you have to him. Say, Lord, it's not much, but I surrender it all to you. And he is able to do the miraculous with what's broken in our lives. Amen? Because he overcomes. He is the healer. 
he allowed the disciples to take part in the miracles of distributing the bread. This week I shared this with our staff, but it also applies to all of us here as well. Jesus is an incredible gift to us. As his people, we get the privilege of carrying that gift to the world around us. Our lives can be likened to the box, the wrapping paper, and the bow of a gift. Our style of wrapping paper and our boxes can vary from person to person, but we're all trying to do this. We're just delivering the gift. And the only reason the box exists is to deliver the gift. We've dedicated our lives to the gift. And so let us then be used by Jesus to bring him to the world around us and let us present the gift. Let us present King Jesus to people around us, to the lost and to those who are saved as well. To those who are lost so that they will hear the good news and come to know King Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their lives. And friends, if you're one of those people who've never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you can do that today. It's a simple step of faith. It's acknowledging that we're sinners in need of a Savior for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's turning from our sin and turning to Jesus Christ in an act of repentance. All within this one step of acknowledging we're sinners in need of a Savior, we turn from our sin, turn to Jesus Christ, embracing, believing with all of our heart that he is God's son who died on the cross, proving his love for us and is the overcomer and that he rose again bodily from the grave. And as we acknowledge that, embrace that, and believe that, we profess that he's the Lord and Savior of our lives. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a step of faith. If you've never taken that step of faith, why not today? But friends, also for those of us who are Christians, let us be about the business of presenting King Jesus, not only to people who don't know Jesus, but let us present, present Jesus to people who do know Jesus. Let's continue to encourage each other in the faith. You know, it's good when we get together as believers outside of Sunday morning. It's great for Sunday morning and Sunday school and being part of Sunday school and Bible study. And I encourage you to be a part of that. And want you to do that because there's some awesome classes at Mount Pleasant. Amen. Love for you to be a part of those. But as we meet with people in the, in the, in the, during the week, it is good to just encourage each other and, and brag on Jesus. Amen. Brag on who he is and what he's been doing in your life to other believers, which will help you and encourages each other. We do that through life groups. We do that through accountability partners. Just do life with other believers, friends. Do life with other believers. Let us encourage each other and present Jesus to each other. But the question for us this morning is, are we living it? Are we presenting the king to the people around us? And are we remembering, oh, what a king we serve. Oh, what a king who is the model, who is the overcomer, who is the Messiah, and who is the sender. Will you surrender it all to him today and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives. Lord, to be faithful to you because you and you alone are our king. And Lord, we pray that you would have your way in us as we come to this time of invitation. If there are those here who don't know Jesus as their savior, that Lord, they'd step out and let me or Brother Andy pray with them to receive Christ as savior. But maybe there are others, Father, here in this place who've just needed to be reminded of who you are, Lord Jesus.
And may you help us to be refreshed and maybe in that refreshing in our spirits that we have come to a decision of recommitment today. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I want to connect with other believers. I want to connect with people who need to know you. Lord, whatever the case may be, may you work in our hearts and lives and draw us to that place where we need to be. And Father, in the decisions that you have for us to make today. And Lord, if there are those here today who maybe just need to come to join this fellowship, or transfer their letter to membership here. Oh, Father, you're dealing with folks about baptism, dealing with people about surrendering their call to missions, to the ministry. Lord, whatever you're doing in the lives of people, let us be reminded of how good and great and awesome you are, that we serve a risen Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, And you are worthy of our worship and you are worthy of our praise and you are worthy of our service to you in every area of our lives. So Lord, may you be with us as we come to this time of invitation as we call out to you and ask you to have your way in every heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.